happy Monday, everyone. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Monday Motivation, how to pass NCLEX tracheostomy. And if you are joining, hi there, my name is Regina MSN RN, and I am the number one NCLEX instructor on this planet because I have you as a student in today's class. We will be talking about tracheostomies and the important points when it comes to providing care with a patient who has experienced this um, surgical procedure. And as always, the reason why I am doing everything is to help you who have the goal of passing NCLEX and who are studying with my program in, you know, in particular to deep dive into the information, making sure you're, sure you're staying off track, on track. Quick facts. This topic does come from my favorite NCLEX book, Quick Facts for NCLEX. And it is actually on page 84. Um, I did not write in my quick facts for this topic because I did take a lot of notes on the PowerPoint for you all that I'll be sharing. But this is a pretty extensive topic. As you can see, it takes up, we're on page 84. Thank you. It takes up 84 and into 85. And there's a lot of clinical priorities regarding tracheostomies. So whether you are an RN student or a PN student, Quick Facts is half of my program. The other half, for those of you who have it, includes my V2, V2 lectures and my V2 workbook those things make up, oh, and the question bank as well. Those things make up my comprehensive program, which you are able to finish in as soon as 30 days. It does not have to be a long drawn out process in order to prepare for this exam. Actually, if somebody watching today would have started with me 30 days ago, today you would have your nursing license. And I know that to be true because I got a message about it the other day. All right. So we're going to get into it. Um, following me on my journey this week, as I am doing a lot of traveling, you know, when you see a girl with braids, she about to go traveling. And so that is where I am. I'm going to be visiting some beautiful places, taking you along on the journey with me. And also Saturday is my birthday. So this is a great week. I am open to so many. You guys have just no idea the things that we have prepared here at Remar Nurse, it's going to be so good. But sufficient are the worries and the pleasures of just today. So we're going to focus on just today. So get out your notebooks. We are getting ready to dive into this topic called tracheostomies. And it begins like this. I wanted to actually present the distinction between tracheostomy and tracheotomy uh, because they are used interchangeably. So when a doctor says the patient is going to get a tracheotomy, then this is a surgical procedure. Um, it has the word tom in it, which we know it means to cut and trachea means the windpipe. So this is essentially a procedure where the patient's going to get a cut into the windpipe. Now, it is very important for you as a nursing student to know, does that cut happen 
above the vocal cords or below the vocal cords? What do you say? Are we expecting that cut to happen above the vocal cords or below the vocal cords? All right. And the answer to that is below the vocal cords. So essentially, when this patient gets this procedure, they probably are going to lose the ability to do what? To communicate verbally to you. Very important to consider when you're planning care for this type of patient. The next term is a tracheostomy, a tracheostomy. And a tracheostomy refers to the actual opening that your patient is going to have. So ostomy means opening. You know, some patients have an ileostomy, all right? And so we know that the trachea also is there, the term, the prefix there lets us know that that is an opening in the windpipe. And both are actually used, again, interchangeably in the clinical environment, but it is important for you to have a mastery of these surgical terms because you just want to be able to have the conversation that the doctor is having and the surgeon is having. You want to be able to participate in that conversation intelligently. And so the way you do it, content. You got to study content with me. This is why you show up to class. So I hope you're learning something. When we talk about the tracheostomy care, um, again, like I said, for those of you who are my visual learners, just let me, I'll just read my notes to you. A tracheostomy, also called a tracheotomy, is a surgical opening that is made through your neck into the trachea. A tracheostomy opens your airway and helps you breathe, okay? Tracheostomy may be temporary or it may be permanent, okay? So why, why would a patient need a tracheostomy? Why would we do this to a patient as a treatment? Well, the reasons are pretty straightforward. They are going to have to do with the patient having compromised respirations and ventilation. So if we talk about ABCs, this is airway or breathing problems, all right? So relief of an airway obstruction would be an, an indication for tracheostomy to facilitate breathing to facilitate breathing, can you think about what is the advantage of us putting a opening in the patient's trachea? How is that going to facilitate breathing? How is that going to facilitate breathing? How is that going to make your patient in a more optimal health? Because trust me, a lot of patients do not want this. They don't want it because of what? What are some reasons patients say, mm -mm. my grandmother was one of them. Severe case of COPD, smoked her entire life, right? And her lungs gave out. And the doctor said, we can help you for sure, but it's going to require a tracheostomy. Well, she had a friend who had one named Harold, I'm going into it too deep. But anyways, Harold had a tracheostomy that didn't, it, it wasn't really greatly cared for. And so it was constantly, um, it constantly had mucus buildup. It was just, it wasn't good to look at. 
So my grandmother denied the tracheostomy, did not want it, right? And so, you know, when we talk about this, we have to think about, all right, what are the implications of it? Um, why wouldn't the patient want it, right? They would not want it because of what? The appearance of it, losing your ability to communicate, the care that is involved. And so when we are trying to educate a patient on actually getting this procedure, we better be able to communicate the benefits of having this, all right? Um, to facilitate breathing, removal of secretions, right? Uh, removal of airway obstruction. Plus if a patient gets a tracheostomy and they're getting supplemental oxygen, right? It doesn't have to go as far. And so it helps the patient ideally to recover quicker. It helps the patient to get better. It actually helps them to wean off of oxygen because if they're getting it delivered quicker, then the body is able to um, repair itself, is able to improve faster. And so I wish I could have, I wish I could have been a nurse at the time and known how to articulate these benefits. But, you know, when you don't know something, you don't know. And we as nurses, because we have all this knowledge, look how great of a position you are in to help somebody that you love. So patients who need this are patients who have an upper airway obstruction. So nose, mouth, or throat. Patients who have difficulty swallowing, patients who have trouble breathing due to an injury, swelling, lung conditions, a patient has lung cancer or a lung tumor, all right? If a patient is undergoing airway reconstruction, maybe they need surgery on um, their upper airway somehow um, or following surgery on the larynx or the pharynx and patients, of course, who need mechanical ventilation for more than a week. Yes, you can put a tube down a patient's throat for mechanical ventilation and you do see that done in the hospital, but the idea is that it is always just for a few days. And then after that, that tube would be removed and the patient would either have recovered or they would have be transitioning, right? So when there is talk about mechanical ventilation, plus a tracheostomy, is this going to be a long-term treatment or a short-term treatment? What do you say? And so these are the little nuances that are going to help you pass the NCLEX. And again, it is what you can acquire in knowledge before the exam. And for most of us, the best way for us to learn something is for somebody to explain why we need to know it, what is important, okay? Question rationales don't do that in a way that is going to help you, okay? It is gonna be very random, very sporadic, and you are gonna struggle to see the big picture. So literally what we're gonna do is just discuss, um, discuss, discuss, discuss the importance of it. So this slide should say trachea tracheotomy and tracheostomy. And again, I'm hammering this terminology for a reason. Tracheotomy is the incision that the surgeon puts in your windpipe 
tracheostomy is the opening itself. We can also call that the stoma, the stoma. So if somebody says the stoma, they're, trache they're talking about the tracheostomy. Ostomy. All right, different tracheostomy tubes. Uh, we have the single cannula. All right, single cannula where um, the trach tube has no inner cannula. They are better positioned in terms of they allow more airflow, but that inner cannula cannot be removed in an emergency such as mucus plug in the tube. It has to stay in. Double cannula. This is what most adult patients have where you have an inner and an outer tube. The outside of the trachea, what you will see there is a flat plate with the flange on each side that is fastened to twill tape. Or sometimes there could be a Velcro trach tie. Do you remember having um, this type of patient or doing this clinical in nursing school? It, you always get so nervous when it's time to change those trach ties. Was it just me? The first time I had to change trach ties on a real patient, the anxiety. I don't think I had, I don't think I knew anxiety until nursing school. Because when you unloose those Velcro, it, it's, <laughs> I'm telling you, and you have to put new, mm, it's so tough, um, putting those ties on when you're, when you're nervous and your hands are like sweating, <laughs> uh, the joys of nursing school. Maybe I'm just the only one, but this was one of the most challenging things for me to do as a new nurse besides starting an IV. Oh man. All right. We're not going to get into that. So anyways, the trach ties, they, and they help to hold the device into place, which is very important, very important. And then I have here um, types of tracheostomies. You don't have to know this at all, but I do want you to be familiar with just for practice what these um, different parts of the tracheostomy um, tubes look like. Okay, so you have the, the outer cuff, you have the disposable inner cannula, you know, you have the obturator. And you can definitely read about these in your med surge book for sure. They're going to be in there. But for the purposes of NCLEX, the major points that I go over is what you will need to know. So here we go. Um, essentially, the tubes and the cuffs do have a point because they allow oxygenation to play, take place or they allow oxygenation to not take place. So let's talk about the single lumen tube. Okay. Again, you have pictures of them here. All right, single lumen, double lumen, and then a fenestration. So the single lumen tube is similar to the double lumen tube, except there is no inner cannula. So more intensive nursing care is required with this tube because there's no inner cannula to ensure a patent lumen, right? The fenestrated tube has a pre-cut opening that's why it's called fenestration, in the upper posterior wall of the cannula. All right. The tube is used to wean the client from the tracheostomy by ensuring that the client can tolerate breathing through his or her natural airway 
before the entire tube is removed. Now check this out. This is very important because the fenestrated tube allows the client to speak, allows the client to speak. This is good. Now you have the cuffed fenestrated tube. Now what is the importance of a cuff? It is because what the fenestrated tube, the cuff fenestrated tube facilitates mechanical ventilation. All right. And so, and speech and often used for clients with spinal cord paralysis or neuromuscular disease who do not require ventilation all the time. When not on, okay, when not on the ventilator, the client can have the cuff deflated and the tube removed, okay? And the tube removed. Complications, complications, tube dislodgement. So for in that, what should the nurse do? I have here, there are some steps that you need to do as the nurse. The first one is secure the tube in place, okay? Um, minimize the manipulation and traction of the tube. Ensure that the client does not pull on the tube. This is a lot of education. Ensure that the tracheostomy tube of the same size and type is at the patient's bedside. All right, and so that is for you to make sure at the start of your shift that you have that replacement tube and equipment at the patient's bedside. During the first 70... 72 hours following surgical placement of a tracheostomy, the nurse can manually ventilate the client, okay, by using an AMBU bag or a resuscitation bag, while another nurse calls for help from the rapid response team. All right, you have to be very careful that you are not doing something that is out of your scope of practice. So for example, if a tube becomes dislodged, is it appropriate for the nurse to just say, for instance, the tube comes out, it falls on the bed, it falls on the floor. Should the nurse pick that tube up, rinse it off and put it back into the patient? What do you guys think? What do you think? Very common NCLEX question, extremely common NCLEX question because it happens. It happens a lot. And you all know, this is my policy. If I didn't put it in, if I didn't put it in, I don't take it out and I don't replace it when it comes to surgical procedures, okay? So this is one of those situations where a patient has a tracheostomy, all right, has a has a cannula that is new, a surgical cannula. Um, and it comes out, do I put it in? All right. Now, if it's new, I didn't put it in the first time. I'm not going to put it in. All right. I like this. Um, this is the, these are the questions from Quick Facts. And the questions in the beginning of this are very simple and straightforward. Some I've already went over. So for example, what is a tracheostomy? That's how QuickFox works. It asks you, oh, 
long hair. All right. It asks you a question just as a presentation of whether you know it or not. All right. So when you're studying this book, my goal is that you don't use any other resources right away. Like you literally, you can take this page. Okay. And for like, so for tracheostomy, the questions are here. I would take this part of the page and just cover up the answers. And then I'm going to ask myself these questions and I'm going to read it from here. Okay. So I would cover it up and I would ask myself, okay, what is a tracheostomy? Do I know it? What are the indications for a tracheostomy? Do you know it? What is the surgical opening called, right? Stoma, but do I know it? And so this, what I love about this book is that it helps you to evaluate your content knowledge. It's not giving you questions where you have options to pick and choose from, you know, it's just asking you straight questions. What must the nurse have at the bedside? Okay, what should you have? An obturator, a stiff plastic device, which is used for inserting the inner cannula. All right. Okay, so these other questions, I don't want to read it just yet because I think I got some questions in the back about this. But again, this is how you um, use the Quick Facts book when you're preparing for NCLEX with the videos. Okay, tracheo, um, malacia. All right, and this is what happens, essentially a breakdown because constant pressure exerted by the cuff causes tracheodilation and erosion of the cartilage. One of the things that is very difficult to prevent is pressure ulcers, right? Pressure ulcers um, or pressure erosion. It's very difficult to do when you have something touching a surface that is not supposed to be touching, okay? Um, and so anything that is implanted inside of the body and is up against the soft tissues is going to begin to erode. And there, there's really nothing we can do about it except for prepare for the complications that will arise or try to lessen that pressure. So um, what it says here for tracheomalacia is use an uncuffed tube as soon as possible. That's gonna release the pressure. Also monitor cuff change pressure and air volume closely to detect changes. We also have um, tracheostenosis. Now, these, these terms may seem complicated, but honestly, if you're familiar with the word stenosis and you're familiar with tracheal, then you are able to kind of put together what's happening. And so this is essentially a narrowed tracheal lumen. So the trachea is getting narrow or narrow, smaller and smaller because of scar tissue that is forming. Because again, that cuff is touching the mucosa or the soft tissues in the trachea. And so how do we do that? Prevent pulling of and traction of the tracheostomy tube. Properly secure the tube in a midline position, maintaining cuff pressure and minimizing oral nasal intubation time. We also have the tracheoesophageal fistula, all right, and that essentially is what? What's, what is a fistula? If a, if a patient has a fistula, is that a good sign or a bad sign? No. We know the fistula means an opening. 
It's an unplanned opening. So no, 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 you are so right. That's a bad sign. And essentially, what is the cause of it again? The cuff pressure causes erosion of the posterior wall of the trachea. And so that erosion is going to create a what? A hole between the trachea and the anterior esophagus. And so this is the highest risk for patients who have nasal gastric tubes also present. Not great. How do we prevent it? We got to watch that cuff, that cuff pressure, monitor the amount of air needed for inflation. Is it too much? Can we turn it down? Progress to a deflated tube or cuffless tube as soon as possible. All right. Also having the trachea enomiate arteria, arteria fistula. So a lot of words, but essentially the same thing. Something is even worse because you have the tube that is positioned and mispositioned. And so the distal tip pushes against the lateral wall of the trachea. Well, you have vessels there, all right? You have an artery there. And so with continued pressure of that tube, you're gonna begin to have some erosion that is also necrosis. And so you can imagine how bad this is. We're trying to ventilate our patient but because we're doing it in an unnatural way, it is causing the tissue to have necrosis at the same time. Difficult to treat, difficult to treat. And so it says use the correct tube size here, length and maintain, take in the midline position, prevent pulling or tugging on the tra tracheostomy tube, immediately notify the physician of a pulsating tube. Also tube obstruction, this is just what it sounds like. The patient has difficulty in breathing. You can hear no, noisy respirations. Difficulty in inserting the suction catheter. Thick dry secretions, unexplained peak pressures. If the client is on a mechanical ventilator, so why are the pressures increasing? So how do we do it? Assisting the client to cough and deep breathe, provide humidification and suctioning, clear uh, and clean the inner cannula regularly. And then the physician can reposition or replace the tube if the obstruction occurs as a result of cuff prolapse over the end of the tube. Again, it's not something that the nurse would do. We're gonna do more of the um, coughing and deep breathing, humidification, suctioning tasks regarding this. Okay, we have reviewed the content. Let's get into these questions. Um, I'm gonna bonus, because this is my birthday week, my gift is I'm gonna pre-unlock the questions for you guys. So still, because it's my birthday week, like this video on YouTube. Let's try to get as many as we can. So I'm gonna stall and give you guys the opportunity to give me an amazing gift by liking this video. All right, <laughs> all right, here we go. Ooh, this is good. What should the tracheostomy stoma site be cleaned with? Do you remember? Number one, providine iodine. Two, chlorhexidine gluconate. Three, 0 0.9 sterile saline solution. Or four, antimicrobial hand wash. Hey, y'all, come on in. We did the content. Now let's review those questions. Let's review those questions. All right. 
And again, if you're studying with me for the first time and you don't have content, but you're just doing question banks, go to remarnurse.com. Go to remarnurse.com and get the content that you need. Uh, it's really that simple. You should be able to tell now if you've been studying the right way or the wrong way. All right. Correct answer is going to be rolling, rolling. It's number three. Correct answer is going to be number three. And many of you got that right away, which is great. 0.9 saline solution. Healthcare provider will order normal saline, sometimes a mixture of normal saline and hydrogen peroxide in equal parts, but that wasn't an option. So um, the correct answer was the 0.9 normal saline sterile solution. Okay, question number two, here we go. This is a great safety question. A nurse in the operating room is suctioning fluids from a client via a tracheostomy tube. When suctioning, the nurse must limit the suctioning time to a maximum. Here are our choices for that scenario. One minute, one minute only. Six seconds. 10 seconds, 15 seconds. What do you guys say is the maximum time? Oh, this is such a good one. Safety first here today. And you either know it or you don't know it. That's where I am today. So I don't want to give you a long time to think this through and second guess yourself. Remember, when you're in front of the exam, go with your first mind. Go with your first mind. Correct answer, 10 seconds. That's how sensitive we are. Hypoxemia can be caused by prolonged suctioning which stimulates the pacemaker cells in the heart. Um, a vasovagal response may occur causing bradycardia. The nurse must pre-oxygenate, don't forget, pre-oxygenate the client before suctioning and limit the suctioning to 10 seconds when you pass through the patient. All right, here we go. Next question is this. The newly hired nurse is changing the tapes on a tracheostomy tube, the client coughs and the tube is dislodged. The initial nursing action is to, number one, reinsert the tube. Two, grasp sutures, spread opening. Three, call the respiratory therapist. Four, cover this tracheostomy site. What are you going to do? We talked about this. What should the nurse do? And I've positioned in front of you four tasks that are, some are conventional, some are expected, some may not be. What is the safest thing for the nurse to do in terms of the initial action? Okay. Correct answer. Come on, I'm giving you time. Correct answer is boom, number two, grafts, sutures, spread, opening, okay? And remember, when you're taking NCLEX, you're gonna have four choices, maybe more in front of you. The goal is to pick the right answer from what's in front of you. Don't get into the habit of saying, well, why didn't it say this? Or the nurse should really do this. Don't do that. 
You don't have time for that on the NCLEX. You have to take the test that is what? In front of you. You have to take the test in front of you. So if you're looking at the options on the screen, and you'd be like, oh, it doesn't say what I wanted to say. Oh, well, I have no business thinking that way anyways. Let me just pick from what I have here. The correct answer in this scenario is number two. So if the tube is dislodged accidentally, the initial nursing action is to grasp and, and the grasp the retention sutures and spread opening. Now, if your agency policy permits, the nurse may attempt to replace the tube. Now, and that is if you have double cannula, if this is a long-term nursing facility and patients come and, and you know, the agency policy may say it's okay. Remember, it's a NCLEX world and it's a real world. But if we're looking at the other options, then they only delay treatment. They don't move the needle forward in terms of making progress for your patient. Covering the tracheostomy site blocks the airway. All right, and then calling the respiratory therapist that insinuates that you don't know the slightest way to help your patient. So you would just, this is the danger of saying, I'm going to call the respiratory therapist or I'm going to call the doctor. That means that you have no clue of even the slightest thing to do to help your patient to the point that when a patient is in respiratory distress, you will leave that patient and go ask somebody else. Extremely unsafe, incompetent, and dangerous. You can't pass NCLEX um, with that kind of mentality. There's typically always something that the nurse can do. And that's you. And that's you. So um, that was why that was the right answer. Let's go to question number four. It says this. A nurse in the pediatric intensive care unit is supervising a student nurse who is performing tracheostomy care for a client. Got it. We got it. Which of the following actions by the student should the nurse intervene in? Okay. Number one, cleaning, your, cleaning using universal precautions. Two, suctioning the tracheostomy tube. Three, securing the tube in place. Four, replacing the inner cannula. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. What are you guys going to say in this situation? Even if it was for you, you're watching a student nurse, okay? You see the student nurse taking care of your patient for you. You know, when we come in, when student nurses come into a situation, all the nurses are like, yes, I don't have to do any bed baths. I don't have to take any vital signs. I don't have to do trait care. I don't have to start IVs because the nursing students, for those of you who want to be nurses, listen, you will get a lot of experience doing what? Giving a bath in nursing school. Also doing trait care. That's pretty cool. Some people get a lot of experience starting IVs, putting down NG tubes very important part of clinicals. So we would in this situation intervene if we saw that new nurse, that student nurse using clean universal precautions. No, 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 no. 
we understand that when you are doing any tracheostomy care, you got to set up a sterile field. That's one of the reasons why this takes so long as a nursing student and why I was so nervous because before I could even do the tracheostomy care, I had to set up the sterile field for the thing. Oh, talk about pressure. And it's uh, everybody standing around watching me do it. Oh man, it just is so much. All right, I got just the flashbacks of nursing school. They, they live on, they live on with you. So a sterile field needs to be set up because a sterile technique is required. Standard precautions such as washing hands must also be maintained and performed, but they are not enough when performing tracheostomy care. The presence of the tracheostomy tube, remember, it provides direct access to the lungs, you know, for organisms to not only oxygen. So you got to use sterile technique to prevent infection. You guys are doing pretty well uh, today and I'm really happy about that. Okay, here we go. Here we go. Here we go. This is the final question here. A nurse in an ICU is preparing to care for a client who will be weaned from a, a cuffed tracheostomy tube. Okay. The nurse is planning to use a tracheostomy plug and plans to insert it into the opening in the outer cannula. Which of the following nursing interventions are required before plugging the tube? Okay. Number one, place the inner, inner cannula to the tube. Replace it. Place it. Two, deflate the cuff on the tube. Three, let the client swallow first. Four, let the client speak. Let's say if you read more nurses, trying to follow this scenario where you have a client that's going to be weaned from a cuffed tracheostomy tube. And so the nurse is planning to do that using a tracheostomy plug and plans to insert it into the opening in the outer cannula. Well, which of the following nursing interventions are required before plugging the tube? And the options here are place the inner cannula to tube, deflate the cuff on the tube, let the client swallow, let the client speak. And tracheostomy questions are, are honestly, um, they are some critical thinking because you may not have been in this situation before, but if you know the functions of the parts of the tracheostomy tube, you will be able to answer these questions correctly. The correct answer is to deflate the cuff, okay? And so when you're plugging a cuff tracheostomy tube, that cuff must be deflated, very important, because if it remains inflated, then proper ventilation cannot occur. And the only way for it to occur is if you go through the tracheostomy. So the ability for the client to swallow or speak were distractions. It's unrelated to weaning and plugging the tube. All right. So this was a great overview of tracheostomy. Now, you know the difference between a tracheostomy and a tracheotomy and the major points of why this procedure is done, the benefits of the procedure and your responsibility when it comes to educating a patient. And so these reviews are good for NCLEX RN or NCLEX PN. 
even if you're a practical nurse, you still should be and are expected to know the educational components of your nursing care because practical nurses do education. Mm -hmm. They do what kind of teaching? Follow-up teaching. And so there's really no parts of the orange job that you are not supposed to know. Regardless of what people tell you, the practical nurses have to study just as hard as the registered nurses for the NCLEX. So if you find yourself in a pattern of failing the practical nurse NCLEX, it is likely because you don't have all of the information that you should be studying. All right. And guess where you can get it from? This girl right here. I got it. I got it. Okay. I also want to give you a motivational thought. And this this lady in the picture could be me. It is not me, but it could be me because I'm doing some serious traveling and I want you like myself to try to embrace this journey. Now, this may be me, but who loves here to ride an airplane? Are you like myself who, as soon as you get on that plane, you just snuggle in that chair and get the best sleep of your life. I am literally asleep before the airplane takes off because it is just such a relaxing environment for me. Um, are you like that? Or are you like um, my dad whose biggest fear is flying? <laughs> are you, wh which one are you? Or are you just like, okay, I could take it, but I don't mind driving. I'm at the age now where driving five, six, seven, 10 hours out of the question. I don't want to do it. Put me on a plane. All right. So which one are you? All right. So I'm a person again, love to fly. Let's fly. Let's go anywhere. The experience is phenomenal typically on the airplane. Um, so I, sometimes I ask this question, I asked it in the past, what's your favorite airline? What is your favorite airline? Some people is going to be based off of the price of the tickets. So you don't care what you fly as long as that price is right. Then that's cool. And we know the names. You know, I'm not going to get into naming the different airlines. You can just put your favorite airline. But we know some airlines will get you there for bottom dollar. Okay. They will get you where you're supposed to go safely. And you're good. That's all that matters. Okay. Now the experience, the seats and the, the, the snacks doesn't matter to you. Other people, they want a certain experience when they get on the airplane. Those airplanes typically, those airlines, I should say, typically cost a little bit more, but you are going to get amazing service. You're going to get amazing seats. The seats will have TVs on them. The entertainment is there. The food, the dining, it's all good, right? And I ask this because you have to certainly embrace the journey that you're on. And for most of you, like your airlines, okay, catch this, like your airlines, you are the one that is in control of the journey, no matter how it might feel that you don't have control over certain things. I'm going to be very honest with you. When it comes to this NCLEX, taking and passing it, you are actually the one that is in charge of the entire thing 
from start to finish. Nobody, I repeat, nobody is taking NCLEX as a surprise. You don't, you don't ever wake up like, oh my goodness, this is NCLEX day. Nobody told me. I wasn't aware. No, you actually picked the day. It's not a surprise for you. You actually pick your nursing school. Nobody, nobody forces you to go to nursing school. You pick the place. All right. And so, um, you know, all of these things I want you to consider because they are such value. When I transfer the idea of going to an airport, getting on a flight and experiencing that to going to nursing school, picking your NCLEX date, and just the idea or the fact having you prepared for it in a way that is reasonable and um, that's going to yield results. So taking it back to the flying, when you fly, there are essential things that you need. There are essential things that you take. You do not take everything from your home when you fly on an airplane. You literally look at what you have and say, I can only take what? The most important things. So I can only take those things that will accommodate this journey. A lot of us on our road to becoming a nurse and passing NCLEX, we are, we are carrying too much baggage. All right. And on an airline, when your bags are too heavy, what becomes of you? What happens to you when your bags are too heavy? They do what? They say, okay, you want to bring this bag on this plane? This bag is 80 pounds. Your limit was 50, but you brought 80. So we're going to let you put the 80 on. But what are you going to do? You're going to be taxed. You're going to be taxed. You're going to have to pay. And I'm not talking about $5, $10. You're going to have to pay hundreds and hundreds of dollars to carry that extra baggage. I'm talking to somebody right now because although I'm positioning it for travel, this has been your experience when it comes to the NCLEX. Because you are carrying the baggage of what? failed reviews in the past, because you're carrying the baggage of anxiety, because you are carrying the baggage of um, a negative mindset, feeling like I can't do it. You are paying for this in a very monetary and tangible way. Every day you don't have your license is costing you about $300 because that's what you're going to make a day as a nurse. All right. And so when you are relying on what private tutors because you don't think you can do it and you're literally paying somebody to sit with you and say, Jennifer, you can do this. Jennifer, let me read this question. I mean, people pay people. People pay people to read quick facts to them. Okay. And all I'm saying is that you're being taxed for a mentality that I cannot do this on my own. When you absolutely can, and you have to. Even people that are spending money, hundreds of dollars on private tutors, those tutors can't go into the room with you. So if you don't learn how to do it on your own, that means you're never gonna do it and you're gonna continue to pay. 
If you cannot get over your past failure, that means you won't make a move and you're going to continue to pay. All right. So we have to unburden ourselves with the with the unnecessary baggage, the physical and the emotional. All right. Let go of things that are not essential. This is this week. Things are not essential in your life. I don't care what they are. Uh, relationships that are non-essential, activities that are non-essential, addictions. You have to let those things go because they are holding you back. The second thing is being on time. You know when you have a flight to catch, whether you're a morning person or not, you get up in the morning and you get on that airplane on time. And there is a certain accountability that is um, there's a certain accountability that is attached with taking a flight because if you don't take the flight, you lose the money. We need to have that mindset when it comes to becoming a nurse. If you are not taking the exam in a timely manner, that means you are not making the money that you're educated for. I mean, what I'm trying to say is that you're working at Walmart for $14 an hour, when you have the knowledge of a nurse for $40 an hour, $50 an hour. You mean what I'm saying is that you are working as a PCT, okay, giving bed baths and heating up lunches when you have the knowledge right now to be passing meds, checking blood sugars, changing wound dressings. And so you're working just as much, but your pay is half of what it should be. And I don't know if you relate that to um, the loss that your bank account is feeling, but it is a very real loss. And so when you're not on time with taking your exam, what you're saying to yourself and to everybody else is, this is all that I want to do. This is the amount of money that I want to make. I'm good at the $14. I'm good at the $12, right? Some people are working and they're literally making $13 an hour, but because they refuse to take NCLEX, they're further reinforcing, I'm good with making this $14 an hour, okay? The next thing, seats. Everyone gets a seat on the plane. But every seat isn't the same, okay? Just as in life, the seat that you're in, okay, you need to be grateful for, absolutely. But also understanding that your seat is not the next person's seat. Your seat is not my seat. So the journey that you're on cannot be compared to anybody else's because nobody has your background. Nobody has your knowledge. Nobody has your unique way that you learn and process information. Nobody has the calling on their life as you or the why that you're working towards. And so I don't want you to look around at the other nursing students taking NCLEX and feel a need to do what they are doing. So many people waste a lot of time. And this is what they say when you watch the testimonials. They say, well, I saw so-and-so do it like this, or so-and-so was using this, or my friend told me this is how she passed. And you know that you are a special learner. You know that it takes you a little bit more time 
to process information. You know you have ADHD. And even though everybody's saying they can watch a three-hour, four-hour video, they don't mind doing it, you know after six minutes and 15 seconds, you are checked out. You are up, you're eating, you're scrolling Facebook, you're trying to read a magazine and listen to the video. You just started cleaning your house, you know. And so if you know that you are that type of learner, don't fall into the trap of trying to be like everybody else. <laughs> just don't do it. Following the instructions. Man, when you get on a plane, everybody has to listen to the instructions. We get the same announcement. Nobody says, hey, has anybody flown here before? Okay, you don't have to listen to this. No, you will get this safety briefing because every time you hear it, it can save your life. That's how important it is because this information can save your life. And so with the NCLEX, what do I tell you? Content, 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 because it's bigger than you actually. So the things that we learned today about tracheostomy can save somebody's life and you need to hear it. And so when you are not following instructions, when you have not taken on the mentality that, hey, I'm just a student. I need to show up to class, especially if you've been out of school for years and months. You need to be in somebody's classroom. OK, and so I do these classes on Mondays and Wednesdays, Mondays at noon Eastern time, Wednesdays at 9 p.m. Eastern time so that nobody can have any excuse as to why they have not studied this week. You can make I don't ask y'all to come to class five days a week. I don't even have that much stuff going on. I'm here two days a week. And if I can be here two days a week with three kids, one husband, Remar, my own personal stuff, you certainly can be here too. Because this is your dream. You say it's your dream, you've got to follow the instructions. You've got to be willing to do that. Okay, this is a good one. When you're taking a flight, you may show up on time. You may be following instructions. You may have unloaded the unnecessary baggage, but be prepared for the delays in your journey. And these are things that you cannot control. That's with anything. There's going to be times when something comes up, okay? And it can be major. It could be a loss, a death, a divorce, sickness, homelessness. We have seen it all here, okay? And in the years that I have been doing Remar, I have heard it all where something happened unexpectedly to prevent you from taking NCLEX. Don't be so hard on yourself in those situations. Don't get too anxious or frustrated. This is the time where you actually get to show how strong you are by persevering, by never giving up. There's somebody who, have, who has lost a parent and it has been devastating to their life. Their life actually is not ever going to be the same because, you know, they don't have their parent. But I am so encouraged when I see those type of nursing students uh, continue in this field. They actually use the they they use the event to further solidify their need to finish the dream. And so if you are waiting around in delay, 
it's still important that you embrace this as part of the journey and know that God's timing is perfect. God's timing is perfect. And so use those delays to do what? To educate yourself, to get better, to get stronger um, in your nursing knowledge. Skip six, went to seven, which is just the death destination. When you finally get there, okay, whether you've traveled a milestone, whether you travel a step, whether you traveled an hour, whether you've traveled three months since you graduated or three years, understand that this will definitely be a personal achievement. It will be fulfilling an area of your life that only a nursing license can fulfill. And that's what I have to tell you when you are wanting and desiring to be a nurse, you can try to do everything else. I don't care if you try to sell insurance, if you try to sell medical supplies, if you if you go to KFC, it doesn't matter. If you are called to be a nurse, the only thing that is going to satisfy that desire is ultimately passing the NCLEX and becoming a nurse. And I will tell you, nothing has changed my life. Nothing has changed my life in the way having a nursing license has. So this week, look at your flight plans. Look at your travel. Look at your destination. Look at your baggage. And then I want you to reflect on, are you on track? to go where you're supposed to be because you are supposed to be a nurse. If you're here, you're supposed to be a nurse because nobody shows up here unless you are wanting to be a nurse. And so I encourage you, the way that you do it, the quickest way possible is to take the next step, which is going beyond the videos that I do here on YouTube for free, YouTube and Facebook for free, a small part, and actually get with everyone who's using my system. It is the V2, stands for NCLEX Virtual Trainer. It is the second edition made specifically for next-gen NCLEX. All of my latest content, the best questions for the new NCLEX type question styles and also quick facts as well. This is the best resource I've ever created for nursing students, and I want you to take part in it. You can actually do a free trial of it if you want to. It's super easy. How do you get to the free trial? Go to my website. My website is remarnurse.com. You see it on the screen down here in green, remarnurse.com. You can learn about my program, how I help nursing students. Congratulations to everyone who came on and told me you passed the NCLEX. It's my birthday week. God is amazing. God is amazing. And I am happy to be here. All right. On Saturday, you're going to see me I'm prepping for this. But you know what? Even though it's my birthday week and I'm going to do a lot of relaxing with my family, guess what? You guys are also part of the family. And so I will be seeing you again on Wednesday at 9 p.m. Eastern time. I forgot what we were going to talk about. Uh, I was studying it. I wrote it down. We had tracheostomies and there's another subject that we're going to be studying. Oh, it's on the tip of my tongue. But anyways, you will find out, you know, when 
when you come back on Wednesday at 9 p.m. Eastern time and we'll study together then. Okay, guys, thank you so much for watching. Have a wonderful Monday. Bye-bye.